Greetings. I'm Sonia Brooks, the Song Bee, and this is The Vibe Juice. So that's why Joe Budden was so uh, sensitive to that. Right. Uh, You know, yeah, because he was, his little cold people or whatever, he was practically cursing them out and uh, just going berserk. It's like, really? It's like, was Sophia was here? No, not at all. So we are doing good now that we've done the selfie. Uh, Welcome to episode uh, 25, another episode of the Vibe Juice Podcast. 25, we're still young and growing and popping, y'all. But today, my guest is Malik Seneferu, and Malik is a San Francisco self-taught, uh, prolific African-American artist, and guess what, y'all? He's my cousin. That's right. Hey, cousin. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> so, uh, and, and before, let me just tell you a little bit about Malik. Uh, he's created more than uh, a thousand, about 2,000 pieces of, different pieces of art. His Down medium... Ten. About what's that? Now ten. Now 10? Oh, ten thousand. Yeah. And his artwork and mediums. I mean, he's he does everything from painting to murals, mixed media projects, mm-hmm. and um, and his he's his work can be seen in many other places, museum, magazines, galleries. He, uh, as I mentioned, from San Francisco, and um, and his art. He's not only that. He's an uh, a, a social advocate of, you know, of encouraging of children, African-American youth to adults. Right. And um, anyway, so I just want to say to my cousin, uh-huh. welcome, cousin, hey, cousin, brother Malik. Yes, yes, cousin, cousin Sonia. <laughs> That's right, cousin Sonia. Doesn't that sound nice to say that? It, it, it is amazing to say that. You know what, and I have to say, so we found each other. That's right. Uh, through the uh, DNA, we both DNA. Decided right. to do the DNA yes. thing, and yes. um, it's opened up a whole world to me. I don't know about I mean, you. You know, it literally has changed. Uh, it literally has changed um, everything for me. My, uh, I mean, things I never thought would come through. You know, all of this came through by uh, Joanne Tarika Lewis, and um, Joanne Tarika Lewis has. Um, uh, we, we took her to the uh, reggae on the river, uh-huh. and uh, she's the first female Black Panther. Uh, she's the first to join the Black Panther really? Party as a woman. Can I ask you about how old is she? She Just is curious. now probably about 69, if not 70. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And she... Um, That's she, about the same age as... Uh, uh, say, pronounce her last name again. Tarika Lewis. Tarika Lewis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tarika Lewis. And she, we took her up to reggae on a river because mm-hmm. me and my wife, we went out, we went out, we was like, well, let's take Tarika with us, you know, because we always want to spend time together. So we'll just go ahead and take her up to the river with us. So we went up there. It was the first time I went up there. My mm-hmm. wife ever went up there. So we went up there together. We had a real good time. That morning, uh, I get a chance and, um, and we go to eat breakfast mm-hmm. and during breakfast uh, she was telling us about this you know dna because she had been saying yeah i'm doing my genealogy y'all you know and okay. she would tell us about the family every now and then but she said you know um, um 
you know, I, I, you know, you need to go and uh, go in there and find your dad. They gon' they'll find your dad. Oh wow! I said, well, you know, I don't know. You know, my dad. You know, his name was Herman Smith. I was named after him at birth, and um, I said, you know, his name. You know, in Arkansas, this over thirty. You know, the last time I checked was like in ninety eight, ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like thirty <laughs> Herman Smith's in, in Arkansas. Wow. Alone. Yeah, yeah. So the name was so common, like this, unless you know exactly where he lived, you know, and I didn't know that. So she said, but you're going to find, they're going to find him. Don't worry about it. Just, just, just do it. You know? So I said, you know what? I'm sitting here right now. I went on to my little phone and signed up and she said, I'm going to tell, uh, I'm going to tell the lady, uh, lady of 23 and me, that you're going to be coming in and you're looking for your father. So she, you know, got in contact with her. She said, okay, I'll, I'll look for him. And less than 48 hours, they what found happened? my dad. Are you serious? Yeah, so they, he died in 2010. Okay. I, it was 2015 when I went looking, that when I did that search. And the lady who found my father lived one mile from his youngest son, my brother. Wow. <laughs> and I have like three more brothers that uh, that um, I, I came to learn about. And really, hundreds of first cousins. Right. Hundreds. Right. Hundreds of first cousins. Now, where do, are are a lot of them in Arkansas? All of them are pretty much in Arkansas. Wow. And some are in Chicago and Detroit. Did you meet your uh, siblings? I've been meeting them online. Okay. We've been talking and FaceTiming on the phone. Oh, good. Every time we get a chance, you know. Oh, wow. How long ago did you connect then? Uh, We connect probably every month. Every month. No, when you first connected. When we first connected, it was on the, uh, it was 2015. Okay. 2015. I think I talked, began talking with my brother around November, December. My mother had died a year before that, and uh, I found my brother, my father's, I found my father and his family uh, a year later. Okay. And um, so, yeah, it was in that Wow. Year. So is the brother, the siblings, are they older, younger? I'm the oldest of all of my siblings. Wow. Including the siblings with my mom. Do you have any idea how, when and where that your parents met? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, let, they met in Hunter's Point. Oh, so he lived in San Francisco. He, he was in San Francisco. He was a mailman, actually. Oh, in wow. In San Francisco. And, oh, uh, you know what they say about the mailman. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Picking up the mail. So. <laughs> but, uh, but he dropped off Never was it. He always <laughs> rings twice. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, he t- definitely <laughs> dropped off a pack. That was me. So it's like... <laughs> Got it right. He gonna. It's like I got a load for you. Here it is. Okay, watch out, San Francisco. Watch out. I got my my seed is here. I'm drop dumping this on you. Handle that. Right, right. Handle that. So, uh, seventy one. I was born April seventh, which is coming up. Coming up very soon. Be fifty years old. And um, yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a real milestone. Yeah, so so with that, you know, it's just growing up in Hunters Point, and then uh, we moved from Hunters Point and began traveling around San Francisco and different parts of the Bay Area, all the way up to I was about maybe 13 years old. We moved back to Hunters Point, wow, a neighborhood known as Harbor Road, and uh, I was up there 
and uh, I became, that's where I became a man. Wow, that's uh, amazing. So you have something planned for the, the big five oh. Well, you know, now that we're coming, hopefully coming out of the pandemic, you know, uh, hopefully we, I can do something really interesting. But I know I have a big following on different places and, and different un, um, uh, different networks online. And uh, so I got I'm, I'm, I'm always working for my studio. Well, you so, know, I really hope that we do come out of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and then I think it, it's not going to just all be at one time, yeah. probably gradually. Yeah. Yeah. So if they say, okay, we're opening up, you know, 25%, yeah. then that means maybe to a 25% limit or degree, right. you can do something. You can do something, right. And then you maybe gradually will get through that. I guess people, we still don't have 25% of the population having received the vaccination. Yes, that's a pretty big, heavy one. You know, I, I just remember living through, uh, you know, hearing uh, rumors about the world being vaccinated and, the, and you know, just the history of that. Now, you know, I don't want to go too far down that lane, but it, it is um, a quite interesting time to be in. Boy, that's an understatement. Yeah. And we, yeah. <laughs> we, we are certainly at at that uh, place, you know, in yeah. history that this is really yeah. a time that re- the recording of history is, is uh, very history. significant. We are definitely in the hereafter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the hereafter. So, so listen, so, um, wow, I love hearing about the, the DNA and the... the yeah. You know, and bringing people together. And any time right. that we, I, you know, my, my opinion about that, because I did obviously did the same thing. Right. And that's how we, that's how we ultimately, yeah. yeah. How we and it's actually through your DNA, sister. my half-sister. Right, your half-sister. That I met. Amazing. And um, uh, my now, right. I'm Sonia and she's ex-Sonia. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, we're the only, you know, here's the funny thing, okay. <laughs> my son's mother's name is Sonia. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So what I kept like, okay, what is this about? Like, I mean, did we, we really brought on the Sonyas, didn't we? <laughs> right. And y'all spelled it with a J. I'm like, well, she spells her with a Y. Okay. I spell with a J. Yeah, yeah. So my, my son's mother spells her hers with the J. Oh, really? Yeah, so, yeah. and that's not real common, not particularly nah. with people of color. You know, yeah. we do things phonetically. Absolutely. And you know, and so people see it and they they want to say Sonja. Yeah, and it's yeah. like no. No, 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 and particularly. <laughs> Latino people because yeah. you know they see American J right. or they say Hota, right, right, Hota. But for them, you know, usually it's Sonia with Sonia. the, yeah. and it comes through the nostril mm-hmm. because there's an I there, right, and then an A. Mm-hmm. But the J is Scandinavian. Right. My mother named me after the uh, ice skater Sonia Henning. Oh. So oh. in Henning, the J is not pronounced in Scandia. Mm-hmm. Scandinavia is a Ya. Like Johnson, which was my uh, last name, my maiden yeah. name, which mm-hmm. was in that would be Janssen, mm-hmm. you know. Right, there you go, right, right, <laughs> Yeah, right, right, but uh, right. isn't it interesting now, and we are related on my paternal lineage. Yes. And your maternal. And, and, my, and my paternal. Oh, paternal, so it's on your father's lineage. My, yeah, my father's lineage, oh. that's what I said, so we're both linked through our fathers. Paternal, okay, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, but yeah. then it turns out to be the maternal women on our paternal lineage yeah. <laughs> that were sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it might be our third grandmother's removed, yeah, three think, times removed. I think so. I'm so I still, think that's it. Yeah, well, I'm, we, 
We'll have to go over that. Yeah, we'll have to go. Yeah, because that, that we won't do it on the podcast, but we will have to have, have a little side. Uh, a sidebar. Yeah, a side powwow, dedicated <laughs> time, right. so I can show you what I've gone through and that's just great. to show you what I have laid out and share that with you because we're, we're tying yeah. stuff up together. Yeah. But that's what makes us so unique as Absolutely. black people in America with a lineage of, you know, from um, the uh, uh, Middle Passage yes. and having ended up with roots in this country yeah. that we got disconnected Absolutely. And that disconnectivity and right now at a time that is so sensitive. And I tell you what I, I really prompted doing, and uh, anyone listening to this will uh, understand that obviously I, either someone's going to do it or I need to go ahead and do it. Yeah. I don't believe, I want to start a petition. I thought about this seriously. And the petition would specify that African Americans who are traditional descendants of the middle passages in right. heritage mm-hmm. and research of that connectivity because there was nothing that we ever asked for that mm-hmm. others profited from yeah. for you know 400 mm-hmm. years that we should not be charged mm-hmm. for trying to repair our mm-hmm. connectivity yeah. so i feel that, that we should have a grant Right. Just as a sovereign grant mm-hmm. that in the research of connecting our our history, our heritage, our, our paternal or maternal heritage in yes. tracing that broken lineage which we were victims of mm. that should be granted yeah. to us without free of charge, without of any doubt. charge. Without a doubt. I mean, not only just the breakage, right. but the development that came out of the break. Well, that leads into reparations. That's the only reason why I'm saying very specifically, if this is something that could be a segue to it, but if we could at least take bits and pieces and say for this, and even if it means that for a period, a grace period of Of 10 years, you know, or 20 years in that research that you're given this grant through these certain channels to create that connectivity, it should be, uh, granted to us. Well, wow, it's amazing you say that. You know, I think I believe we know enough people to make that happen. As a well, maybe we need to just start a petition. Let's do it, and then get a, get a legislation going and get it. You know, absolutely. Since they're talking about it, and yeah, I think well, let's let's work on that. <laughs> let's yeah, work on that. Absolutely. Maybe we should get a te- just a small team crew just to get the wording, get the petition out, get absolutely. it circulated, absolutely. get some ambassadors on the ground in different absolutely. cities and circulate that sucker. Absolutely, without a doubt. Because you know we're talking about healing. Healing only starts where you are. Yeah. So it starts from here, and if yes. we can do that mm-hmm. within our own biology, biological yes. and, and historical, historical counts mm-hmm. to connect if we can start healing from with from our ancestors to today. Right. Absolutely. Nothing's Absolutely. ever going to be right in the energy right. of this country until right. that there's been re- resolved. This, yeah. this is only a piece of that, yes. but I think it's a good place to start. So, okay. So yes. we got, we, that's, that's, we, got, we named our first project. <laughs> we got it. We got some work to do. We got family work. To we do. got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so, um, I am so glad to have you. So how are you, uh, first of all, how are you surviving as an artist uh, at this time? And has COVID had any impact on what you're doing? Well, I would say 
uh, it's difficult to say, hmm. but COVID has an impact on my rising. Okay. Because a lot of the individuals, I don't know, a lot of energies that would be available maybe to maybe uh, create the clogging of the hmm. travel of moving forward oh, well, yeah. are distracted from that. Okay. And so I'm, uh, I've done quite well. And the only thing uh, that, you know, is the loss of life and, and people. But, you know, my family's been healthy. No one uh, has uh, everyone's been in good health. Um, so, you know, with that being said, um, you know, I would say it was it's quite interesting. Um, it's been a burst of time for me to really be uh, committed to my creativity. Mm. And, uh, you know, because that's a part of my life work. Yes. Uh, you know, working with youth and also working uh, in my studio and, and creating capsules of time, what I like to call art. Wow. Um, Have you had to make, you know, well, obviously with COVID, there's adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. But as an artist and your your method of delivery yes. and exposure, are you relying more on social media, I would imagine, because you need the yes. visibility and exposure. Mm-hmm. Well, since the beginning of social media, I've always been heavy on that because I knew uh, as a father who I wasn't going to, you know, travel outside and be, you know, going here and there and not being there for my child. Uh, I, my thing was to keep myself stable wherever my child was at as much as I could and be there for my child. And, you know, I, How old is you? You have a son. Well, now he's a, now he's a man. Okay. He's not a child anymore. <laughs> but at that time when I was, you know, moving, it was really about my kid, my, my son. And he's now about to be 22 this year. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's man. definitely a man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but with that being said, um, for uh, me... Uh, it's just uh, extremely uh, important for me to be able to utilize the online. Uh, and, and I realized that I can utilize the online as being my uh, free website, mm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, because people aren't necessarily, necessarily looking for art websites. They go to galleries to get things when, mm. you know, before, before the, uh, the pandemic, right? When people were going to galleries. They were going to art shows to get exhibited. But you know what? Can you imagine the the, the whole idea of the gallery? There's the culture, yes, the of culture. doing that. That being yeah. in the space of in that energy, yes. You know, not yes. only just other people, but you know, art has energy. It, does. it has, you know, whether the maker is present or not. Yeah. You know, it it emanates yeah. em- energy. It's speaking to yes. us. Yes. And so, and just, and just having that, and even the, the art, uh, you know, openings and, you know, from the networking with people and the energy and and wine, the vibration and, you know, a little wine, a little nib (laughs) and, you know, talking and making connections Connections, and, and then working, interacting all around the art and moving things. That's, that's, you know what, years ago I dated a guy who had a gallery (laughs) Uh and uh, who's from San Francisco. I won't say names right now. We'll talk offside. (laughs) And he used to, uh, 
And I wasn't, at the time, I guess I was kind of, part of me was wilding a little bit. And we knew each other a long time, but we reconnected in this one period. And things were just popping for him. It's like, you know, when he knew people, it's like, hey, you know, and he was always, let's go over here. There's an opening. There's these, I know these people over here, blah, blah, blah. And we would do this mix of this art crowd thing. And we do the post openings and (laughs) hang out and a bunch of people eat. And just get that vibration. That vibration. And I loved being around from even academic you know, intellectuals and having their things and inviting and yes. it's like, oh, and you know, the artwork, the, right. you know, and that was fun too. Yeah. And then he had a, a gallery and he lived above it and wow. then he would have these funky hip parties. <laughs> and sounded more familiar. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, and uh, that was that was real cool for a hot minute there. Wow. But um, Yeah. Well, you know, the great thing about, um, you know, what I did in my career, um, uh, my thing was to make sure, you know, because it was very difficult for me to get into galleries per se, especially coming out of San Francisco. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, tell, yeah, tell me about you know, that. Uh, San Francisco is a beautiful place, nonetheless. However, in terms of um, selling artwork in galleries, you know, a gallery is a business to actually sell artwork. So, would you say there's a politics? That goes uh, with it? It's mixed. It's a mix. It's a definitely, definitely a politic at the mm. head of it. Mm-hmm. But it's also the mind of the society and what they're actually looking for. So in San Francisco, you had the aviance of San Francisco. People come to buy San Francisco. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you were painting, uh, you know, downtown San Francisco, Golden Gate Bridge, um. you know, cable cars, the scene of San Francisco, people were coming to look for that. To say, I see. I was in San Francisco. Right. I have art Be- from San Francisco. So the other side of it, because this is this is very yes. relevant in in where the location of any city, geographic, you know, yes. gallery, street, and whatever, Absolutely. is that why people come to that city. Yes. Yeah. 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 And what attracts them? Absolutely. What kind of tourism? Is exactly. it convention? Is it business? Yeah. Is it, you know, uh, international? I mean, this this yeah. is this this is eye-opening. No, I tell you, I'm, I'm sort of like the unofficial ambassador of San Francisco because uh, I remember San Francisco where you could take 10 steps and you were near an art gallery. Hmm. especially in okay. the specific areas of San Francisco. Now you can't find that. I always say the hidden hidden San Francisco is now in Carmen. We talked about that the other day in Carmel City. Uh, so because if, you know, the food in San Francisco. Yes, which is known for. Yeah, with the art. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of galleries that shut down. And especially, this is before oh, COVID. Oh, okay. Now, now let's just back up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go ahead. What impacted that? So it was just think? really the rent. You know, the the rent. The you cost. Pay the rent. A lot of these people didn't own. They were just renting out a space, space to have the gallery because the artwork itself would pay the bill. Right. But you know, you had a change. The cost. You also had that, and you had the but the the build up of the internet. So, okay, now I want to go back a little yes. bit. So let's say, let's take the 90s, for example, yes. because uh, I, I, when I, which is when I moved mm-hmm. to, from Southern California, Los Angeles, yes. and I just wanted to know everything I could know about San Francisco, black right. San Francisco, right. all of it. Right, black, yeah. And black mm-hmm. Bay Area and everything. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I got uh, the political and economic movement and shift of things, yeah. the tearing down of the neighborhood to... Right create freeways and, right. you know, all the disruptiveness that is things that disrupt 
culture as it previously existed. And so now we're talking about even within the art culture and business and food and the things that are, you know, uh, uh, adjacent to that, that goes with that and complements it. So in the, then we had, okay, so we had the development of the Internet in the 90s, mm-hmm. which particularly being in the Bay Area, you can't help, that has a huge right. impact. Absolutely. Then I saw, because I came here with a real estate license yes. I just received in the late 80s, wow. 89, uh-huh. in, um, in Southern California, 88 okay. actually. Wow. I was really young. Amazing. And uh, came here, and it was not my intent, but mm-hmm. I ended up somehow on survival mode. Right. Said, well, you know what, I got a tool, let me see what I could do. But yeah. I needed to know as much as I need to know. But the internet onset of the development of the internet and yeah. we saw all of a sudden uh cost of living and yeah. renting That's and owning in the nineties, not compared to now, but mm-hmm. just boom. Just boom. It was a big boom. Right. Yeah. So obviously that was one first wave. Yes. And then there was a crash by the late eighties, I mean late nineties, early two thousand. Absolutely. And then there was another cycle that yeah. built up that was superficial from 2003 yes. of, again, the Internet and real estate and yes. everything else. Yeah. And then a crash 2008. Absolutely. Again, Absolutely. right? Big, really big. And then now, then we have the impact of COVID and everything. Right. So with all those waves, yeah. clearly, not only economically, but the demographics of people change. Yes. yes. You know, and Absolutely. move. And now, then now... All across the grid, you see, you know, across race, culture, right. of businesses, mm-hmm. art, and whatever. Uh, and oh, so when after let's say 2008 to mm-hmm. now, yeah. then San Francisco was always going to be San Francisco. Absolutely. In the East Bay, mm-hmm. we saw the beginning of the gentrification because Absolutely. people got ran away from San Francisco because mm-hmm. of the cost of the rents. And then we started having little Soho art areas and galleries, yeah. which all of a sudden, uh, by 2014, 13, 14, 14 no, 15, really, yes. the decline mm-hmm. of that because of the cost of rise of yeah. rents here. Absolutely. So it's interesting to hear that about San Francisco, that Absolutely. that started happening and galleries were disappearing. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, the, you know, there were two parts. The galleries disappearing because of the print market. Hmm. So when we talk about the print market, we talk about art being reproduced. Okay. So, you know, uh, I have an elder who's a really good friend of mine, Charles Bibbs, did amazing work, practically hmm. a millionaire in the print world. Okay. The difficulty of it is that people can go online and pick up prints, or they can go to... Essence magazine. I see. And pick up the little sculptural, little sculptural things. So black folks didn't really go to galleries. Okay. To collect. Okay. In the West Coast. You okay. Know what I mean? Okay. It's like my wife is calling here. Okay. Um, Why don't we go know, ahead and take that call? We'll take right. a pause. Hold one second. Okay. So we're back. And so you were saying about the difference, what happened, what happened with the galleries and where we are today. Yeah, so where we are today, you know, we're actually at a quite interesting time. Uh, we got to also consider the murals that's being done all over here in Oakland True. and throughout San Francisco. And a lot of those artists are uh, young black artists who have come to San Francisco seeking out, you know, trying to get their, you know, their art somewhere. You know what I mean? And so it's great to have this energy. The, the struggle, though, is the artists who are already here 
are struggling like they were before if they're not online. I see. You see, yes. so it's extremely uh, difficult to look at uh, San Francisco become the new Hollywood. And a lot of the, the people who are reaping benefits are people that are... Coming not, here? Yeah, that, that are coming rather than the people. You know how it is in Los Angeles. Even if you're down there in Los Angeles, you'll see people come from somewhere else and get the kudos that maybe the people there have been, you know, making moves and <laughs> making big moves and not getting attention for, you know. Wow. So what I did was I created my own lane of where I am in my thing. And so from my magnets that I gave you today, uh, people know yes, me for those that. Are nice. They know, were refrigerated so, magnets. So as an artist, it's very important to have your own unique thing. And so my unique thing was being on Facebook. Everybody knew me as always posting my work on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, you know, you got to be careful because the galleries might not carry you because you're on Facebook. Well, now we're in the pandemic. Everybody's on it. So was there some prejudice if you were on Facebook and galleries maybe would well, you know, restrain, are, hold you know, restraint? Galleries too? are very strict about, you know, where the art is being posted. And okay. You know, because they want to make sure that they have something that's. Uh, hard special. to access. Yeah, right. something special because, like, if I can go online and look at it, why do I need to come to your gallery? But what, what it was is that because I wasn't getting any gallery coverage, really, I had to make it happen for myself, you know. So my thing was, you know, whatever site I can get on to really be able to grow my career, mm -hmm. that's how I kind of grew my career. And I did that even before the internet, I was, uh, you know, doing exhibitions in the projects where I was living at. And so people who, people knew I was the artist on the hill, you know, so there was nobody else hmm. doing what I was doing at Hunters Point at that time. Now you can go there and there's artists everywhere in Hunters Point. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a bittersweet thing because it's almost like um, I have to reintroduce myself to the population because... I don't, a lot of people I don't I've never seen them around even though I've taught art to most of the kids that grew up over there but a lot of them moved out of San Francisco so I noticed that when I was over at the uh, the barbecue oyster barbecue competition yes. and there's a art yes. compound tell me about that across See, the street there so that, that's another uh, interesting thing so a lot of that art is not from people in San Francisco it was just beautiful and it's some beautiful art. And these are different artists from other places. You know, the dream is to get your art in New York, San Francisco, you know, major cities. So right. artists are doing their thing, trying to get the stuff out there. And so that's why you see that. But every time I come over there, why your art ain't up there, man? You need to get him to get your art up there. The issue with the art circumstance is that it's really a political thing. If they like you, they'll put you in there, whether you're talented or not, you know. And so the thing is, is that... Um, it's not just because I am the home name. I'm like a home name in Hunters Point and in San Francisco and many parts of the Bay Area that um, that doesn't mean I get a pass to come in and just here. We need to get your work up because we know you're, you know, you are here. So it's like hmm. I always say, you know, the people who say that, like, you guys got to speak up. If you if you see the owner, tell them, hey, there's Malik Seneferu. We want his art here, you know. Um, hmm. Now that building across the street. Now, is it like uh, a place where people go to create art? You yes. can you can pay to be I, there for a period. Yes. There's classes yes. or in that whole that? area. Okay, so 
I was uh, a, a mile away from that is a place called the Hunters Point Shipyard. I'm actually an artist of the Hunters Point Shipyard. And I was actually at one time the youngest. That's a ever. collective? Yeah, it's a, it's actually an art compound. Okay. So they took a naval, uh, a naval barracks and flipped it and turned it into an artist compound. Got it. So there was an artist by the name of Joe Sam. Mm-hmm. who uh, said, who came up on the hill and saw my artwork and said, man, we got to get you down to the Hunters Point shipyard. Mm-hmm. Now, before that, I was, you know, climbing the fence with my friends, throwing rocks at trucks and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, um, we, uh, they brought me down there. I was the youngest artist, to, and uh, I am the reason why they have a uh, artist-in-resident down there, because I was the first artist-in-resident uh, down there, and they created the program to keep me down there as a young person. But then later, the rent came in, and I couldn't afford it, and it wasn't a whole lot of money. It was 65 bucks. But I, I didn't have a job at the time, and I was trying to get a job. It was difficult. Right. And I, I never sold drugs, never smoked, drink, never got high ever in my life. Right on. So because I didn't have any of those things, I didn't have no extra pocket money, I couldn't really hold down a studio there. So I always kept my, my studio was the room I slept in at my mother's house. And my mother, knowing that I was an artist, she was just like, well, since you're doing art, you know, you can, you know, I said, well, mom, I'm going to just hang it up around the house. The artwork I was doing was really talking about my environment. So I have these huge six foot, you know, borderline mural type projects that would be posted up all over the house. Wow. So that that was old school trap art, what they call (laughs) it today. They call it trap art. But, you know, the idea was I would take a project, uh, uh, house and turn it into a gallery. And, wow, and that's put, awesome. Turn that into a gallery. People would come to my birthday parties and it would be an art exhibition. Okay. So that's how I, I pulled it together from that. Awesome. Well, somewhere between those. Now, when did about how old were you when you started? I was 19 years old when I first started doing. I did a. I remember doing my first painting in the streets of the projects up there and hmm. on Harbor Road. Wow. Okay. And uh, I was up there painting in this painting right there on the ground because I didn't want to get paint on the wall. And then it started raining. I was like, man, I'm going to have to bring a canvas and put it up on the wall on the inside. And that's when I got started. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm so awed with, uh, you know, the things that you're sharing with, with us right now. And now, ultimately, you you were able to purchase a home. Yes, yes. Me and Congratulations. My wife, me and my wife, Karen Sineferu, she we both got together and we were able to uh, purchase a home. Uh, it was a trip living up in Hunters Point because even if I wanted to get an apartment, because of my address, uh, they were, uh, when I got, had a little money to be able to get into an apartment, they would look at it and say, ah, well, we don't know if we can, you know, we don't know if we can, uh, we're not, we're not accepting any applications. When they said, on, you know, there was a thing saying they were said, no, we, we already accepted somebody. So it was extremely difficult for me to get a place to stay as a young black male at that time. So I had to stay with my mom all the way up until she, unfortunately, my brother was caught uh, with, with, a, with a weapon uh, about two miles away from the, from the residence, <laughs> mm. from the neighborhood, actually. And they said, well, because you're over here with that, we're going to kick your mom out. And it was crazy oh. because at that time I was running a program 
that I called uh, Ghetto Prophets. In being able to come and um, and really kind of hear my philosophy around, uh, you know, uh, black revolutionary ideology, you know, uh, and it's really just talking about, you know, black men being a credit to their community. And what was the name of your group again? Or? It was called black, uh, Ghetto Prophets. Ghetto Prophets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teaching art. Yeah, so actually it was life skills. Life skills. It was life skills, and I would... We would, we would have these circles. We would call them sage circles. So we would burn sage. And I was a young dude doing this. We would burn sage. And I would have about eight young brothers from the neighborhood would be sitting who wanted to be a part of the meeting. And we would have our own meetings. And then after that, I would take them to different places in San Francisco they knew nothing about. Now, wait a minute. How old were you then? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, 20... Two, twenty-three, twenty-four, around that range. Now, yeah. any of those guys, are you ever come across, or still in touch? Uh, one of the guys, he is literally, uh, he's now my. Well, he doesn't like me to say this, but now he, he's my supervisor. But he, but I, I actually am his uh, his mentor. Really? Yeah. He's an artist. No, he's not an what? artist. He actually see. I, I raise them all in the mind of what, how could they be able to be a credit to the community. So the idea is, you know, from, you know, listening to speeches at this time, you had the info wars back in that time in the 93, 94, 95, you had all of these scholars who were debating one another. And so I would get the tapes and, you know, there was this thing where you get the cassette tapes and the VHSs and you can listen to Leonard Jeffries, you can listen to, you know, Khalid Muhammad, you can listen to all of these really great charismatic speakers talk about this idea of this of what it means to have a black mind and so you hear people like you know Naeem Akbar and and uh, even Kwame Ture and uh, a lot of amazing uh, people that would come forth Phil Valentine and, and Tyne and, and just you uh, you could just keep going you know um, ghetto prophets yeah that's yeah. <laughs> so we would listen to the tapes and we would, you know, go and, uh, and 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 really what I was teaching it was manhood development. So I would show them how to shake someone's hand, how to walk down the street, especially if you're in the projects, you come to see Brother Malik. And Brother Malik is the only one who don't, not the only one, but, you know, uh, I was not uh, interested in smoking, drinking, getting high, selling dope. So that, I was, that wasn't me. And what projects was this again? That was Harbor Road. It was, Harbor you know. Is later. it still there? Uh, yes, the neighborhood is still there. Not Harbor not, Road isn't. Uh, Harbor Road, Harbor Harbor Road is there. Oh, that's the name of the but street. The culture of it is gone. Okay, <laughs> are the projects still there? No, the projects are still there. Okay, yeah. and it's still called Harbor Road. It's still, the street is Harbor Road. Mm. Yeah, Harbor Road, and that's what they call the projects then. The projects, well, so the neighborhood uh, called it Harbor Road because that's what you've seen on the sign. The street sign said Harbor Road. Okay. But, you know, it, it changed into some other different things due to the uh, changing of the mind of the people that were in the neighborhood. You oh, know? I see. So. Wow. So you've been really displaying leadership for a long time and really trying to help others and, and, and improve yeah. uh, the community. 
Absolutely. You, you know, uh, it was it came out of being an older brother, too. You know, I was uh, the eldest of my siblings uh, with my mother, my sister, and my two brothers. My youngest brother was shot 13 times oh, in Baby Hunter's Point. Gosh. And, uh, What's his name? His name is Maurice Franklin Matthews. Maurice Franklin Matthews. We always have to say their Absolutely. name. Oh, Rest yeah, well, all the time. Always, yeah. yes. Or libations in his name. Yes. So with that being said, you know, I, uh, I, you know, my career actually started making sure he was going to school and not playing around. So what I would do is, and I'd do that with my other brother too. You know, I would like, no, you're going to do your homework. You're going to go to school. You're not going to, you know, be out there playing around. So I would literally walk him all the way up to school, a school that I helped name Malcolm X Academy. I was there. It's when, still there? Uh, his, yeah, his, okay. it's still Malcolm, Malcolm X Academy. Okay. And if you ever get a chance to look up the school, you'll see a newspaper, a chronicle, or examine a newspaper reel about it. And you'll see me in the afro <laughs> standing <laughs> okay. with, uh, with Malcolm's oldest daughter. By the uh, way, Malik now sports dreadlocks. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody. I have to say locks. <laughs> locks. Yes. There we go. Thank you. They're not dreads. <laughs> not at all. Locks. Not, locks. And, and no, no insult to uh, our natty brethren, yes, you know, over yeah. in Jamaica that, you know, yeah. prefer dreads. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. lifestyle. Well, well, they say, you know, the concept of dread is what, the, the British placed upon them. They saw their hair and they saw dreadful. And so the right. writings, the scholars wrote that their hair was dreadful. Right. And that's where the term dread. Yeah. But from. Natty yeah, turned turn yes. dread yeah. into a positive thing, exactly. not to dread it you with sure pride. Did. Without a doubt. That's the difference, the philosophy. <laughs> that's that's what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we flip those words. Yes. You know, and all the other N word, we flip that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And put power. We empower right. ourselves. Excellent. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about us being creative in that manner is creating our own way, even when it's difficult to get where we got to go. Right. That's why getting back to you, you mentioned something about black Hollywood yes. and San Francisco and getting yes. back to the power empowerment of that yes. is that, you know, some of the producers that we have known, you know, yeah. and rest in peace, John Singleton right. and that have you know, said we. That's how important it is that we create and write our own story. Absolutely. So, uh, and as the uh, uh, the creator of the black black last black man in San Francisco, right, being right. a San Francisco born <laughs> person, right. Just in the, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, changing the topic just a little okay. bit. But how did that? How do you feel about? What was your impression about that film and what it conveyed? I was like, wow. You know, you just. Uh, you know, it reminded, it, it really struck a chord with me because it reminded me of the story, even where he walked in San Francisco. Is you in know the that street. Yeah, it's in the area. Um, and I found out also that he did his recordings inside of a house in one of the projects that I worked in. Okay. So that's another thing. But the neighborhood that he said that his father had, in that neighborhood, my grandmother, when she first came to San Francisco... Uh, in the, um, I think it had to be in the uh, fifth, in the uh, in the late fifties, early sixties, and um, she came here from south, southern California, because she had lost her land by eminent domain in southern California. In southern California, really? she owned uh, uh, my great grandfather from Jamaica. <laughs> okay, my great grandfather actually uh, uh, owned land 
in Santa Barbara and Santa Monica, and he lost. And when she, when he died, he passed that over to her. Uh, her mother died when she was two. She didn't really know her father. Father was a bit estranged until he contacted her and told her, you know, told her that he would like to, you know, come and pick her up and get her. By that time, she had daughters and had a husband, my grandfather. And um, with that being said, you know, she uh, got a letter saying that her father had passed away and that there was some land there for her. Hmm. So she picked up only two of her daughters. She had three daughters. She had Her, her third daughter was was uh, dealing with some mental illness. So she was in a uh, mental uh, uh, facility. So she only picked up her and her two daughters and came to California. She, in, she intended her husband to come, but her husband wanted to stay behind and take care of his mom because his mom was sick. So this was, uh, so she arrived in Santa Barbara She area? arrived in San, well, she came by herself at first. Right. And she arrived in Santa Monica. And Santa, Santa Monica. Barbara. Oh, so she went from Santa Monica to Santa Barbara. Yeah, both places she was operating from trying to, you know, Ooh, man, manage the huge land. That's a huge commute. So it was a lot. So right. she'd end up lo- losing both of those wow. uh, properties because of eminent domain. And the little voucher she got from the eminent domain brought her to San Francisco, and mm. she was able to get her a little place over off of now what is known as Pine Street. Okay. What district and, of San Francisco uh, is that? Uh, that's the upper uh, California near the Marina District. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, like the Richmond District, okay. I believe it is. I'm, okay. I'm, 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 uh, I should know what neighbor that, uh, okay. that is, but it's in that area. And so it's in that area where the movie was shot. That's what I wanted to say. Oh, really? Yeah. So that uh, side, because I thought that was a, a, the view of the East Bay when you look away from the. Um... Okay, so part of part of part of the movie is shot in different parts of San Francisco. Okay. Oh, you're talking about where that house yeah, was that, that house he said. Was. I got That's it. That's what I'm saying. Because uh, I still see that, see that have that scene in my mind when uh-huh. he's walking along that street yeah. and across and those brothers and yes. those houses. Isn't uh-huh. that the uh, Hunters Point, uh, a Hunters Bay View area? Where he, when uh, the guy was like, when he goes out to the marshy area mm-hmm. and he's like talking That's in to Hunter's him. Point. I thought That's so. That's in Hunter's Point. And those houses where there were a bunch of brothers on the street. And, uh, That's that's on the other side of the, that's on the other side of the neighborhood. Oh, but uh, it's still. I mean, on the other side, not neighborhood, but I believe I may be. Because I thought those houses faced water. Yeah, yeah, they did. But I know there was a part where he was riding his bike, riding his uh his his uh skateboard okay in a neighborhood where i remember seeing that so okay. it was like on the other side huh. what i remember but it just reminded me of that part of the neighborhood mm-hmm. that's what it reminded me of so ultimately that your the impact on your that um, movie what the story was touching to you yeah it was definitely With it tr- felt like did it almost it... like it was talking to me almost like, well it really okay. in a sense and the funny thing is uh, I didn't ever really got a chance to see the re- really see the movie, and there were some people in that movie that I literally grew up with. Like one, uh, his mom. I went to elementary school with her. Uh, the sister, one of the sisters that's in the uh, movie, is literally like like a sister to me. Like she, I spent the night. Did over you even? You never saw the movie. I'm going to, I have the movie at home, but I, I just, I have not got a chance to sit down and look. I think this is just. So you just saw bits and pieces of, yeah. of, 
and I and, and I met the brother when he was trying to actually get the movie played at the uh, film festival in San Francisco. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because my my wife uh, did a film and. She got hers accepted, and he got his accepted. And so your did. wife does film? Yes, part she does art films, so she does art recordings on film and stuff. Oh, like okay. That. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so uh, the producer, I believe, is Joe Talbot. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, and also a uh, Kalia Neal. Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So that I, I, it made me feel really very proud that there was a story oh, no. being told on it that level about. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful, touching, yeah. real, and you know, if, and if you know San Francisco, um, and what you know, the the, the diminishing of the uh, black population, Absolutely. you know, it was really touching. Absolutely, um, yeah, and that, and that's the major thing. You know, I I, I just never forget um, moving from Hunters Point uh, to Geneva Towers. You know, with my mom. And because she couldn't stay in my mother's house, in my grandmother's house. And so we had to move to Geneva Towers and we lived there for about three years. And then we went somewhere else. Um, I think we moved to, uh, you know, Leland, where my auntie lived. You know, we lived with her for a minute. And then we, we got out of there and then we went to uh, East Palo Alto. We were all over the place. Wow. And I went to about maybe five different elementary schools. So. Uh, by the time I made it back to Hunters Point, I was well-traveled, and I very well understood sort of inner, the inner workings of San Francisco. In a real way. In such a manner that I had already witnessed what drugs look like. I already know what all of that stuff is. Mm-hmm. I already seen, you know, this stuff that maybe the average youth, even in the projects, probably hadn't seen yet. So that made you uh, a very good role model to do a lot of advocacy. Yeah. Now that comes to mind when we first talked on the phone mm-hmm. and I called just like, Oh, I got a, my, my uh, sister gave me your phone number and I said, yeah. let me call him. Yeah. And you said, Hey, I'm doing a black lives matter, right. uh, a mirror on the street. Yeah. I took part. Tell me a little uh, bit. Well, I was invited to come in and do a mural with a group of artists by the African American art and cultural complex. And so they said, well, Malik, you know, we would like you to help and be a part of that because you are from San Francisco. And, you know, the sisters, they always look out. Melanie and Mel, uh, Melora Green. Okay, uh, big up to them. And, and they're uh, with the African-American Art Complex. Yeah. And they're twin sisters. I always tease them. And really? Say triplets. But, <laughs> Melanie, uh, what's that? Melanie and Melora Green. Melora, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I, uh, they asked me to come in and do that. And in the midst of that, um, me helping to lead part of the project and uh, doing the matters, I was actually uh, leading, that, leading that work part, even though I painted all other parts, helping paint other parts. We got there 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, showing up to, to get, get things lined up. And I really appreciated that time. But with that, uh, I realized that... Um, you know, Black Lives Matter was another group of people who were saying, this is how we feel about black folks. And it wasn't necessarily black people making a pro- proclamation, right? Because our proclamation was, you know, stop killing black people, right? Our proclamation is reparations now. Our proclamation, okay. you know what I mean? Those are the things we're asking for. We need housing. So you might see... Black housing in the Tenderloin. That's what I put. Uh, we, we did a project there that was painted in the street. We did uh, Invest Black in, mm. in, in Lakeview. 
you know, we did uh, reparations now in Double Rock in San Francisco, right? And in Richmond, we did uh, reparations now. We did black reparations in, in, uh, in Double Rock. So these were the sort of Excellent. sentiments while people yes. were pulling up for blackness that this is the thing, since the mic is on us now, what are we saying? Are we saying Black Lives Matter or are we saying reparations now? Are we saying house black? That's what the city. So really, it's, it's really saying all of those things. Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. important to take advantage of the time. The timing and right now timing is that is time, important. you know, yeah. for creativity, for the voice, for Absolutely. the visual, for the oral. Yes. I mean, because we, now we're hearing a little more from the poets. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm not just talking about rap, but right. I'm talking about poetry, poetry matters now, you know, that spoken yes. word, the voice. Absolutely. You know, the interesting thing is I do have another uh, street mural coming up. And it is, uh, it's called Black is Beautiful. So the, the, okay. you will see it will say Black is Beautiful. Do you know where it's going to and be? That's going to be in Hunters Point as well. All right. So now, then what street is was the Black Lives Matter Black, project on? The Black Lives Matter is okay. right on Fulton Street Fulton. behind the city hall. So is it still there? It's still there to this day. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So listen, I know that we are coming down to our time and <laughs> yes. wind down. So I want to ask you, so where do you see the future for art for, for Malik? Oh, no, things are growing like never before. I've already uh, reached to the point where I'm uh, in, the, in the history, you know. Uh, I've, I've already reached that, but I'm cur- I currently have an exhibit in uh, the Laurent Museum in, in uh, Where's that? Mississippi. Okay, Laurent, yes. L-A-R-E-N-Z. Yes, yes. So, okay. So and uh, and then you know I've had several I had uh, several exhibits uh, throughout uh, uh, California and different places of the United States. Uh, one of my major exhibits I had outside of the United States was in South Africa. Excellent. And uh, I had uh, it was in 1994. It was the the war against racism and Mm -hmm. xenophobia Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. South Africa. And my and my artwork was on exhibit inside the consulate there where they did the huge like thousands and thousands of people that were there for that. Wow. So tell me this. Um, now, this is this is really going to be, a, not, I don't know if it's going to be tough, but do you have any tips and advice for a young struggling artist today? Okay. Urban artist. So here it is. Number one, remain creative. That's number one. No matter what, do it because you love to do it. And your love will pull you to the places you dream. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Remain creative because you Remain love Remain creative. And do whatever you do because you love it. And your love for that thing will pull you to the places you would yet, you have yet to imagine. I love that. Yes. That's, that's beautiful. Okay. Yes. And uh, tell us uh, three things that, that you're passionate about. I'm a passionate, very passionate about family, culture, and history. There you have it. Malik Seneferu, thank you so much for being uh, joining the Vibe Crew. You're yes, now a yes, member. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> You're a member. And how can people find you, please, and reach you? You can find me all over the line at Malik's Art. And you can go on to uh, maliksart.com 
My number is there. You can reach out to me if you uh, if you'd like to collect any artwork. Uh, it'd really be great. I always say art is are, are but capsules of time. Okay. So, in purchasing your capsule of time, brings your level of wealth to a position that you can uh, will live long past your own personal life. Well, thank you, Malik. And by the way, he is on Instagram. Yes. So make sure that you art. You can find me there or. Malik Seneferu art. That's another. I have a few of them. I have one that's re, that says "Remain Creative." It's re uh, hyphen main creative. That's uh, that's another one that's mine as well. Uh, a lot of people have uh, u- utilized some of my um, my my wordage, and so you may uh, type that in and find that uh, there. But um, all you do is type my name, uh, my first and last name, Malik Seneferu. Or Malik's art on Google, and you will find me. Well, thank you, my my brethren <laughs> yes, and right. cousin. That's right, cousin sister. <laughs> cousin sister, my cousin brethren. <laughs> yes. And uh, so this has been the Vibe Juice. Be sure to like, follow, and uh, you know, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for joining us for another fabulous episode of the vibe juice until next time keep juicing peace (laughs) keep juicing